0: You'll check in, but you'll never ever leave. Not alive anyway. This world is a strange one. So you're going on vacation. You've got your hotel booked and you're ready to go. But little do you expect, you're about to live the shining. The haunting lyrics of Hotel California say it right. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. So when you arrive at your hotel room, Just try to rest easy, because these allegedly true stories are about to show you the real-life horrors that could happen to you. But first, don't forget to click that bell icon to stay notified of my uploads. And if you've ever seen something creepy at an abandoned warehouse, let me know. Send your story to me at darknessprevails.org. Now, enjoy these hotels from hell. Number one, A Man Followed Me to My Hotel Room, submitted by Charity V. This is my first time really telling this story, so I'll start with a bit of background. My mother immigrated from Guanajuato, Mexico when she was a little girl. She believes that her children should have strong roots to their culture, so for the past two years, We've been visiting Guanajuato and other cities dotted through Mexico. Those include Ixtapa. Ixtapa is a more touristy area near the ocean. Through a family friend who had heard of our upcoming vacation, we were able to stay at a resort called Pacifica. To say the least, we enjoyed the visit to such an extent. My mother decided to purchase her own timeshare at the resort. The following year around mid to late June, We came back to Mexico where my mother had already made arrangements to stay at Pacifica for another week. The way this resort is set up, as it was built up the side of a large hill, there's a buffet at the bottom while the rooms were grouped along the side of the roads. So if your room was located at the top, you had two options to get up there. Either you could take the shuttle van up, or if you were in a hurry, you could take the gondola. That morning, we were midway through the week, We had just finished breakfast and my two younger siblings wanted to go swimming. I, on the other hand, wanted to go to the business center of the resort where they had three computers and a printer for any of the visitors. So we split up. My mother took the kids on the shuttle as she hates heights and she just couldn't trust the gondola. But I stayed behind and walked to the business center. An hour had passed and I had pretty much finished up on my computer not wanting to wait in the heat as Ekstapa is quite humid. I chose the gondola to ride back to the hotel room. I was the only one in line, so I boarded pretty quickly. The employee manning the station was just about to close the door when another person entered. It was a middle-aged man. The employee looked at him surprised before opening the door all the way once more to let the man inside to join us. He sat on the opposite side of me. This is important. It is crucial that if you're from America when visiting Mexico, try not to speak too much English because while Mexico isn't as bad as people make it out to be, it still holds some danger for visitors, tourists, and other residents from America. And with the horrible economy, when residents notice you're American, they assume you must be wealthy. They tend to raise their prices on their products before they even show them to you if they find out where you're from. So when the man commented on how beautiful the weather was in Spanish, I automatically responded back in Spanish myself, C, and he turned away nodding. And that's when I really took in this guy's appearance. He was heavy-set, with graying hair, glasses, a short-sleeved dress shirt, and slacks. I'm not exactly timid, but I've learned when it's best to keep my mouth shut. So I kept away from him as much as I could. I even turned my attention to look at the scenery outside the window. The gondola makes two stops. My room was near the first stop. When the employee opened the door asking if anyone was exiting there, I looked over at the man and he didn't respond at all. He didn't even acknowledge the question. So I said yes and carefully I stepped down and I made my way off the platform onto the street. Now our room was a bit up the road and up a couple of flights of stairs. I was about halfway up, still being a bit on the edge from my ride with the strange man, when I began to hear footsteps behind me. I turned to look over my shoulder, and there stood the man walking quickly behind me. I felt a cold shock run through my veins, and I turned, running the rest of the way up the road and up the first flight of stairs. Now, you could say I was overreacting, Maybe I was being paranoid. Even I thought that for a moment until I heard those same footsteps behind me speed up even faster. If it was just a coincidence that that man was following me, then why was he keeping pace with me? I could hear him approaching quicker than before and I ran faster, my breath coming in cold puffs. I didn't stop until I reached the door. I grabbed for my backpack, digging blindly for my key. I continued to hear those footsteps drawing closer and closer. My blood was pumping so loud in my ears, I could barely hear anything else besides me digging for the key. Finally, I found the key card. Fumbling with it, I shoved it into the lock, but the door didn't open. It signaled a red light, which meant there was something wrong with the key. I was about to cry. I didn't have time for this, I turned the keycard over and I shoved it in again, and thankfully, this time the door clicked open. I rushed in, slamming the door and bolted it, and as soon as I did, I heard the footsteps slow to a halt just outside the door. It was quiet, and I could hear his breathing. I was hoping it wasn't the same guy, that it was just someone passing by our room, but then the person spoke. He said it in Spanish. He commented on how beautiful the weather was. As soon as I heard that, it was like the blood in my veins froze. I double-checked the locks on the door and I backed up to the couch where my siblings were. They were watching TV and they started asking me what was wrong, but all I could do was stare at the door and hope that he couldn't find a way in. My mom then walked in the room. I turned to look at her and when our eyes met, her brow creased with worry. She knew me better than anyone. Besides, I'm sure I looked pretty terrified and pale. What's wrong? She asked. She handed me a bottle of water. I drank what was left of the bottle and I thanked her and I explained everything that had happened. She was mostly unconcerned. She hugged me, glad that I was safe, then pretty much brushed off the experience Luckily, with the hustle of our schedule, I'd pretty much forgotten what had happened at the gondola until the next night at dinner when we were at the buffet. We were mid-meal when for some reason I can't quite remember. I turned in my chair looking around and I saw the same man sitting alone at a table only a few feet away from ours and he was looking at me dead in the eye. The moment he saw me looking this creepy toothed grin grew on his face a grin that he wanted to show me i whispered to my mother that that was the same man the man that's behind us now she took note that the man did not have a wedding band and wasn't with anyone and she even noticed that he was glaring at me we finished our dinner and i paced quickly by his table never taking my eyes off of him until we were out of sight and that was it I didn't see him for the rest of our stay in Ekstapa, and I assumed he either left or moved on to different prey, though I hoped it was the former. I sometimes think back to that vacation, and I think how I was lucky that my family members had beat me to the room, because though I had the door open before the man could get to me, something tells me he would have tried to break in if my family wasn't there, and I don't think he would have stopped following me if I was there alone. He thought I was easy prey, and he was almost right. Number two, Hotel of Disappearing People, submitted by Kitty. This story is more weird than horrifying. It all happened about a year ago. My class and I were on a field trip across the country and we had just arrived at our hotel. This would be where we would stay for the next few nights. When we finally got the keys to our rooms, my roommate and I left our bags near our beds because it was around 8 p.m. and we were starving for dinner. We gathered around the entrance of the hotel. Then we parted for the hotel's restaurant, which was separate from the main building. I told my roommate to tell the teachers that I'll be a little late. After I finished up what I was doing, I knocked on my friend's doors, but not a single one of them opened. Just like any other person in the situation would do, I assumed they had left without me, so I just headed to the restaurant. Once I got there, I couldn't see any familiar faces. There were only strangers. I was beginning to freak out. I was confused. I ended up having dinner alone. I didn't stop looking around the room once, expecting to see at least one familiar face, but I never did. And at one point, this waiter walked up to me and asked, delicious, isn't it? Then he smiled and he just stood there for the longest time looking at me. Eventually I stuttered a, oh yeah, yeah it is, thank you. He didn't reply but he did continue to just stand there and stare at me. This freaked me out even more. Once I was done, I went back to my room, and the first thing I did when I got back was try to call for my friends. Nobody would answer their door still, and not a single classmate of mine was answering their phone. I looked at the clock. It was 8.32. I was sitting in my room waiting for someone to get back. I watched some TV in the hotel room and I glanced at the clock here and there. 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m., 10.30 p.m., and I was still alone in my room. Finally, suddenly, there was a knock at my door. It surprised me so much that I almost wet myself. I ran to the door and opened it, and there my friends were, standing there, and they looked like someone had just died. Their expressions were beyond worried. They said that everyone's been looking for me for the past few hours. I said the same, that I lost them and I'd been looking for them forever. I looked back at the clock, and I froze. The clock now read 8.16. I found it hard to breathe for a moment. Eventually, one of the teachers came up. I told them what happened, but they just laughed at me, saying that I must have fallen asleep in my room. That's not right, because I was still full for my meal earlier. I mean, at 8.16, I was still in the restaurant. Then the teacher said, come on, everybody's starving. It's time for dinner. When I heard that, I was more confused and worried than I already was, but I pushed the questions aside because the more I thought about this weird situation, the more and more I just wanted to throw up. If anyone knows what happened to me that night, I'd love to hear an answer. Number three, The Man in Spain, submitted by Selena. I should start off by saying that I was only 14 years old when this happened to me. My family and I went on holiday in Spain a few years back, my mom, my dad, and my sister. It was around nine days in when we entered a swimming competition with a couple of French men. We didn't win, but we did have a lot of fun. They walked past us at the hotel later on and I smiled at them to be friendly. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but now I regret it so much. I regret that stupid smile. Later on that evening, we were down at the hotel bar enjoying the nighttime entertainment when my sister said that she was tired, so we decided to head up to our room. There were toilets on the way up, so we decided to go in before we headed to our room. And God, am I glad we decided to go in there. As I entered a cubicle, I saw one of the French men from before in the mirror near the door. I thought maybe he was going into the men's toilets as they were just next door. But as I shut the cubicle door, I heard heavy footsteps walking inside our bathroom. A bit freaked out, I locked the toilet door and I waited to see if he would leave. But as I stood waiting, I saw something that horrified me. A man's arm reaching in, trying to unlock the door from the outside. He managed to get it unlocked, and that was when I regained my composure, when I realized that this was actually happening. I went forward with all my weight, burying myself into the door. It snapped back into place, catching his arm in between the door and the stall. He yelped in pain and anger, and when the door shut, I locked it again, and I kept my hand on the lock. I'd never been so scared in my life. I stayed locked in that cubicle next to a toilet for a while, shaking from head to toe. Eventually, my sister tried to open my door, but I screamed for her to just go get our parents before those French men came back. She asked what was wrong, I told her everything. She wasn't as horrified as I was. She thought I was talking about some woman who had walked in on me because I hadn't locked my door. I wish that's all that happened. My sister went to get my parents, and I would find out later that they called the police from the hotel desk. But as I waited for them, still locked in the bathroom, too afraid to come out, I could hear the voices of those men laughing from the men's bathroom laughing about something they must've been pretty proud of. When my dad caught wind of what happened, he wanted to kill the guy, but when the police arrived, they were happy to take control of the situation. But as far as I know, all they could do was remove the men from the hotel, but no charges were pressed because the man never actually attacked me. I was lucky that I attacked first, or else that could've been far, far worse than I imagine. Throughout the rest of our stay, we had to go back and forth between the station and our hotel, giving our statements to the police multiple times. But after that, I had nightmares non-stop. Nightmares that made me think I was never safe no matter where I was. Dreams that made me afraid to use the bathroom alone. At one point, I woke up screaming in the middle of the night. I'm just really glad that we didn't go straight to the room because who knows what would have happened if those men would have caught us out in the open on the way back. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. on iOS and Android. Number four, Creepy Person on Manor Camp, submitted by Harry. When I was younger, around 14, I went to secondary school. I loved going there. We played made up games, made jokes, and once a year our class took tours around one another's homes as a way to understand our fellow man better. It was one of my favorite things that we did. One cold holiday in February, my tutor room, where you go before lessons, had a seven day camp in a rented out flat across Switzerland. The outside of the place was made of gray metal and the windows were round and red. It was quite the sight to behold. The headmaster had an empty room renovated into an eating room with a table to eat at and a small kitchen just behind. This hotel had an indoor swimming pool and a long way across the building was a playroom. The playroom was amazing as it was like a capsule that stretched across the building to another hotel across the snowy hill that went up from the train station. So basically people from both hotels could come and play as well as look down at the other people passing under it, some slipping and some falling back down the hill as some joker may have decided to pour hot water across the hill under the playroom. It was all in good fun. The teachers even rented out some rooms for us, so needless to say, the trip was pretty expensive. We had to leave a day early and come back a day late. The trip was so long, we had to spend an extra night at a travel lodge in France after the channel tunnel, which ramped up the cost even more. Luckily, though, my family has very well-paying jobs, so we were able to easily afford it. But the story you're here for comes next. So I got the key to my room and I entered it with a few roommates. Let's call them Maddie, Sophie, and Lily. Maddie was the person who dressed up in fashionable clothing and was a stereotype fashion fan. In fact, when she came on the trip, she wore tight blue jeans, a short-sleeved t-shirt, and Converse tall shoes. She had the widest girth of the three of us, but she wasn't overweight. Even still, she was freezing since she was all the way up a mountain in those kinds of clothes. Sophie, on the other hand, was very sensible. She came dressed in a trench coat, thick trousers, and walking shoes. She said she dressed extra warm to make up for her being underweight. Lily had blonde hair and wore sporty clothes and was the kind of girl who would make friends with the autistic person at school, the one everyone ridiculed for his odd behavior. I was kind of glad I was bunking with the most sensible people on the trip as all the boys usually chatted and laughed throughout the night and the closest person to them was Maddie. She was never totally serious with schoolwork but was very nice and good with people. Eventually, we all went for dinner and when we got back to our room, we sorted our beds and came up with a game to keep ourselves entertained. Maddie called it dumbbells where someone would come up with a lifting position and one person from each group would lift their partner into that position. The winner was decided by who could keep it up the longest. The game went on until there was a sudden clunk on the French sliding door. Maddie and Lily both jumped. They went over to the curtains. It sounded like someone was tapping on the window. Slowly, they both grabbed one of the sets of curtains and pulled them back. There was a round splat of snow on the glass as if someone had thrown a snowball into our window. They were relieved, so they closed the curtains again, assuming that someone was just trying to trick them into coming out. Anyway, we continued our game. About three minutes later, I was fighting off sleep as I waited for our turn to play the game, but another even louder thud at the window jolted me wide awake. This time, it didn't sound like some snowball. It sounded more solid, more dangerous. Maddie and Lily once again went to the window and opened the curtain, but they didn't see anything on the window this time. Instead, they saw a man standing on our small balcony. He was pressing his arms against the glass door, trying to peek inside at us. The man appeared to be six feet tall in his mid-forties. He was wearing dirty snow boots, a grubby trench coat, wore an earflap hat and had dreadlocks that covered most of his face. Basically, the only part of him visible was his eyes. He didn't make eye contact with any of us, so I wasn't sure he could even see in, but he still continued to try. Then he pulled his mask down, revealing a very old and worn out face, and I kid you not, he began to lick the glass, leaving foggy saliva trails on the window. It was revolting. It was the creepiest thing I've ever seen someone do. Did he know that we were in here? And if so, why was he showing us this? Then the guy stepped back and began to pee in front of the door. We all turned away after making sure the door was locked and tried to wait out this storm. We used the phone in the hotel room to call one of our teachers. We told them what was going on. The man walked away and maybe 15 minutes later, our teacher arrived. They were reasonably upset. They contacted the hotel staff, asking them to investigate. They wanted to find the man and to have something done about the situation. There were footprints going in circles in the balcony, and there was a split going through the wall of snow going along the wooden balcony fence. When the teacher looked down, she saw a trailer with a human-outlined form in the snow as if someone had waded through the thick snow. More footprints led into town. They disappeared at the local ice rink. Our group ended up getting a different room and we continued on with the holiday. But we never saw that guy again, which was fantastic. But the worst part was they never caught the guy. I don't know if he was just sick in the head and needed help or if he was some pervert trying to toy with us. And number five, text me anyway. Submitted by Toothpaste. I'm 16 years old and I'm five foot tall, 120 pounds. And I guess I'm okay looking. I won't say where I work, but I can say that I work at the front desk of a hotel. You see, there's been this guy. He's a long-term guest with us. I see him almost every week. He's extremely tall and well-built, the kind of guy that could easily crush me with his bare hands if he wanted to. Very intimidating. I can clearly remember the first day I talked to him. He simply asked the normal hotel questions that we get from guests, and I thought everything was as it should be. It went on a few days, seeing him occasionally and saying, hi, how are you doing? Just making friendly chit-chat or asking if he needs anything trying to be a good employee well one late night i was working the late evening shift and he comes down and slides me a piece of paper without saying a word it weirded me out immediately i wanted to just throw it away then he says to me in a whisper and a smile text me i flip over the paper and i realize he put his phone number on it i look up at him and say i'm 16 sir His eyes widened, he then says to me, I had no idea, why are you working here then? I reply with, I'm homeschooled and my parents own the place. It's something to do, you know? How old are you? I wasn't trying to flirt back, it was more of an interrogation at this point. He says, I'm 45, but hey, I don't care if you're 13, 12, 16, whatever, text me anyway. I can show you what a real man is like show you what it's like to be with a real adult i stepped back feeling both disgusted and a bit frightened then after winking at me he walked away i felt like i needed a shower after that and i honestly couldn't wait to get off of this shift of course i never texted the guy but do you want to know the worst part about this story Well, one of his co-workers came in one day to check in. After some conversation, I found out that he knew the freaky guy, and he told me not to worry about it anymore, because he had been fired and arrested after he had been caught in a car with a 12-year-old girl. Wherever you go, be careful especially if you take your family along with you. New places always bring new dangers. Every time you stay at a hotel, you're sleeping in a place where someone else always has access to your room. Maybe they work there, maybe they own the place, but maybe they stole the key to get in. So what happens when they're inside your room, the room you thought was safe, as you lie there unconscious? Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your abandoned warehouse story soon at darknessprevails.org. Thank you. As always, stay safe and stay creepy. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.